Welcome. You are listening to Nard Bites, a Dungeons and Dragons show where we discuss various topics about D&D and all other TTRPGs. Enter at your risk, but beware, things may get Welcome back to the podcast. It is I, Grognard the Young, the Young Grognard, kicking you to live with another episode of the podcast. Another Nard Bite, if you will. The amount of restraint I have to exhibit every time I try not to say Beckons of the Herald of Steel after I say the whole intro thing, it is ridiculous. But for today's Nard Bite, we're going to be talking about uh, in-person gaming and uh, apparently how much we all desperately miss it. You know, I said I would have a little introduction to this whole discussion, but the thing is, is that I think everybody who's in the hobby, like anybody who would possibly be listening to this podcast knows exactly what we're talking about and has an idea because of how quarantine has impacted our lives, how much like, you know, the sort of globalization through the internet has happened. Like, it's just, it's the nature of the beast that people are playing online instead of playing in person. And so... You know, it's a topic worth discussing because, I mean, at the end of the day, it's how the hobby started. And I don't know, in a way, I guess after this discussion, maybe we'll be able to say if this is the way the hobby should be, you know? Um, Yeah, I know. Drop the mic on that one, everybody. But we kind of had a little preamble before this where we talked about everything from snacks to vasectomies. So there's a lot of topics to go into about everything in this this whole in-person gaming thing, but... You know, we came up with a lot of different things that come with in-person gaming that don't come from playing remotely. And I guess the one that comes to mind uh, easiest to everybody, or it comes to mind probably first, is uh, the lack of snacks. We, we just can't share snacks at the table. And obviously, I mean, yeah, we could be talking about like, oh, the connection with my friends and rolling dice. No, no, no. Let's talk about the snacks, because that's what we all miss here, Okay. Think about it. Everybody who goes to a game group, on average, there's five people. You think all five of them are packing snacks? Get real. That means there's at least three or four mooches at that table. And we miss those free snacks. So with that in mind, uh, does anybody else miss snacks at the table? I haven't eaten candy in like years because of that. (laughs) That's we're we're the enablers. Oh, by the way, uh, members... (laughs) I was going to say, uh, people in the in this Nard Bite, uh, we got Ryan, we got Anthony, we got Jared, we got Ronnie. So we got pretty much the the our little our little Herald of Steel group. So yeah. I was going to say, Sorry, pretty, pretty much, who else is there? <laughs> we have exactly everyone in the campaign. <laughs> I have other friends, okay? They're not good friends, but anyway. So yeah, snacks. I mean, why is it that we feel snacks are so important? And why is it that we feel like ruining Ronnie's health by giving them to her? <laughs> oh, you know, food, uh, food, food brings people together, right? You know, there's a reason that every, ma- pretty much every major holiday is a holiday where people eat food. True. Yeah, you know, and, it's, a, it's a good way of being together in a way that doesn't require you uh, to talk to everybody. And it's also a way of building trust, right? You know, if you're all eating from the same snack bowl, right? You trust that everybody washed their hands. You trust that nobody put anything questionable 
uh, in the communal drink that everybody is sharing from, because uh, you know everybody wants to try, but not everybody wants to buy one. Weirdly dark by suggestion. I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, Anthony, do you not wash your hands and put things into my food at our games? Is this Absolutely why I've gotten healthier since going remote? And but you know, and it's a way to show camaraderie too, right? Like, you know, back when I used to play at the store, there's a guy who worked at Domino's at the time. And for special occasions, you would bring him a couple of whole pizzas for everyone. So it's like, ah, th- this is my way of showing you that I appreciate you as players. Now eat it or else. I feel like people don't understand too the power of food and mood. If I'm hungry, I'm not gonna be in a good mood during this game. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm eating food, I, I enjoy. Like, I'm gonna be in a good mood during this game. But at the same time, I feel like it's almost like light fair, you know, is the way I would put it. It's like the kind of food you have at like an icebreaker event for your company, where it's like, I mean, we're not eating like a whole turkey, mashed potatoes, the sides and the fixings. I mean, usually it's like somebody brought over a bag of candy they found at the gas station. Somebody's eating half a sandwich that they had from lunch that they brought over for dinner. Somebody's eating like, you know what I mean? Like, and then it's like a bag of Doritos, a bag of Cheetos, the stereotypical things, and then like candy. Like, it's not food it's snacks you know and i'm not not to be semantic about it but i'm not disagreeing i just think that it's almost like a cultural expectation thanksgiving has certain foods christmas dinner has certain foods and every family is different and it almost feels like every game group family if you want to put it that way has like a dietary culture that it's like you know ryan and i were talking about beer earlier and i'm like i mean we used to go to games and bring four racks together and be like this one's pretty good to give this a try and it's like, you know, again, it, it is like camaraderie. There's a level of like sort of beyond the game table. I know you like this. I like this. It sort of helps bolster the whole friendship while sort of backing the mentality that like we're here to play and not to eat. So we have light fare. We have our snacks, things that are edible while also playing, you know? I mean, for a while, we, our group would do the sugar cookies i don't know if you guys remember that but like halfway through the session someone would preheat the oven and get the hot goop going yeah and it's like the sugar cookies are so perfect too because they come in like the pre-made little squares the 16 by 16 or the 4 by 4 blocks and stuff and like depending on the season you were eating either like easter eggs or halloween bats or christmas trees (laughs) it didn't matter you just were there for the hot goop when they came out of that oven yeah and you think about like the hard tack we used to have in college when one time uh kyla one of our old roommates she tried to make was she trying to make bread i can't even remember she was making no cookies. no it was, it, it was sugar cookies actually i, I remember <laughs> this and i was gonna say like, it and it's a very fond memory if you're listening of course and that's the thing i'm like i'll never forget that because it was actually way better than i thought mm-hmm. it was like it wasn't even bad like it was just non-sugared sugar cookies it was just literally like I don't know, food for traveling. But like, again, these food, like the food adds like another layer to like the experience of being there. Cause you know, I, I almost think about like the, the flaming hot mountain dude that they've got right now, where it's like, I could picture me bringing it to the table just so that other people could try it. And it's that level of like, everybody can share in the experience of that was gross. And then we play in the game. Maybe somebody references how gross it was in game. And it's like, it's just this sort of like, uh, like the cycle of like, food enforcing camaraderie and the camaraderie bringing up like confidence and joking jokes reference what we did before this or what we're eating it's like just it really puts together this idea that like i don't know 
like you're there in person and it's like a living environment that you're all taking place in. So, but yeah, Jared, you seemed a little upset about flaming hot Mountain Dew. Do you, do you have a problem I, with uh, yeah, Ryan delivered one to me? I took my first sip, I was like, oh, this is pretty good. Took my and second sip, instantly felt it all down my throat and stuff. And I'm like, this is not gonna sit well with me. The rest, I'm like, right, I can't take yeah, it back. It's just, <laughs> it's just like I described it as tasting kind of like big red a little bit, where it's just like instant heartburn, but in my throat only. And yep. it's just like this just hot, scorching, gross in your throat. But then it still tastes like Mountain Dew at first. Pack of them. Why would you do that? <laughs> because I know someone who works for pepsi distribution and they're like yeah this flavor. is what they want <laughs> just text me and it was like hey check your porch and i just go out there and there's an entire rack of mountain dews and i'm like all right i feel like that's an act of terrorism but terrorism aside uh the next topic that we've got is uh actually terrorism no uh the next topic we've got are the <laughs> next sort of cliche that people expect at a table which is uh, and maybe this should be a cluster of different topics, but uh, I wrote down miniatures and dice and then followed by props. And probably you could also argue like, you know, maps and stuff like that. But like this whole concept of like physically sharing space, because I think, you know, when it comes to people playing the game online, you have two camps. You have people who play with virtual dice, people who play with real dice. You have people who use the maps on like a VTT or like any of those roll to any of these fancy apps that you can like design a map and control the fog of war and like do layers and DM notes and all this crap. And I'm like two types of people in this world, people who want to do it virtually and people who fucking don't. So I guess to open the floor, who does and who fucking don't? Because personally, I fucking don't. I do not like those. I'll do it but I, I hate every step of the way. Literally, yeah. the only reason I like virtual is when I have a virtual sheet and I can understand my handwriting and there's, like, no panic in erasing and changing things. That's, like, literally the only thing I love about it are clean character sheets. Clean, legible, easy-to-edit character sheets. Doing it on a paper and pencil. You, you could stressful. have that. Even though it was a great space for doodling. Yeah, I mean, you can you can have that and be in person because like I have the D and D Beyond subscription, so anyone who for any of our in person games would make characters on there. Like whenever anything would get updated, I would just print them off a new character sheet for that session whenever we leveled up and stuff. So you'd have like the clean, perfectly laid out character sheet with everything on it, and then you'd have that one sheet you kept that actually had all your weird inventory and stuff on it that you didn't feel like actually putting online that way you always had like an easy readable like correctly done character sheet but you also got to sort of have it physically which is something i really enjoyed i have a whole drawer full of just character sheets from games the drawer just, for guys I, yeah i have the box of forgotten souls there yeah all the characters <laughs> from ever yeah but like yeah personally i'd would always rather be rolling physical dice like i have not touched or rolled a die since like early 2020 and it's it's just sad because like i just don't have the room for it on my desk and it's so much easier to do online like if we're going to be playing over the internet might as well just do it there 
Uh, but like, I, I do miss just being able to actually sit down and roll them. I miss when people would ask for D sixes and, or like D eights and stuff yeah. like that. There, it's just something, something really nice about giving a die to somebody, having them roll it, taking it back, all yeah, that just, stuff. Guys, I'm about to fireball. I need six more D sixes quick. Oh, <laughs> what a feeling, you know, and everybody's so eager to like, get you to get to your roles. Not, not a way to like hurry you up, but like, Oh, Ronnie's going to use uh, advantage on each ray of the scorching ray. So she needs 60 20s. Everybody is just handing D20s because they're like, yo, girl, here you go. And just handing them all over like roll, roll, roll. You know what I mean? Like everybody wants to be part of the team and be like, here, have my dice. You know, um, I will say I will do a plug real quick. Roleplay Rescue has a really cool episode. He's very like psychological about how he approaches gaming and especially the topic of dice. And he talked about how like just grab a D20. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you have the ability to grab a D20 or just any die, just pick it up and roll it. And just embrace like the raw, just like dopamine you get from the sound, from like watching it, from like the random chance. It's like rolling dice. It's just magic. It literally is. Cause like you just, the feeling, the excitement, the rush, and it's just like that clacking, clicking noise. They're so pretty, like little jewels, like having physical dice is just so integral to it. And he just encapsulates the whole idea of how like, when he'd feel depressed, I'm not going to speak on his behalf about anything because he's got the whole episode about it. But he talked about how like one of the stages to curing depression and like getting out of a depressive episode is like just rolling handfuls of dice. And he's like, it just feels good. And there's like, it's like eating a bag of chips. Like it's just, it tastes good. My body likes it. You roll a handful of dice. It just sounds nice. You know, it just feels cool to shake, shake, shake and drop. And I'm like, yeah, that magic at a table with other people around you and knowing that there's like stuff on the line for this, like this is your big moment. You roll the 20 or you roll the one or you roll max damage or minimal, you know, it's just that shared audience feeling and like feeling like you're almost performing for other people. It's like that rush of improv, you know, and it's just, oh, something about dice, man. Well, there's always those terrible moments where you roll and like half your dice like go off the table. (laughs) (laughs) or you can't find yeah. it someone's shoe or it's like sitting on a crack and it's like kind of a court like on like a not really flat surface and you're like what the fuck does that stand for is it a six is it a two or no uh so there's yeah so i mean that and stacking dice everybody does that at some point in their life or organizing them like the tedious mindless labor of just like looking at pieces of plastic and being like uh, you go on the bottom because you have the biggest space and you're flat i'll put you next because mr d12 deserves to be second place then a d20 i get like we all have done it we all know the dangers and then that one guy who sits down at the table too hard knocks over your tower and you feel like you have a right to be upset that he sat down not knowing about your stupid tower like how about how about you build a better better tower there pal maybe maybe don't blame our friends for sitting at tables ice pyramids are far more stable than towers (laughs) there's been a so during our campaign that we've been playing uh most of the time i'll use the virtual roller and stuff but like there's been like two or three episodes where i'm just like i miss dice and i have my dice bag on my desk at all times so i'm just like yeah, I'm rolling tonight. I'm like, I don't care. I, I want to roll a dice. <laughs> it just, yeah, it does feel good. 
I started color coordinating my dice to fit the campaign. So for instance, in the last episode we recorded in a very icy and snowy cold example, all my dice have some semblance to that. And it's like, it's again, like it makes no difference, but again, it's like just the experience of doing it. And like, especially at a table, like, you know, Jared, you'd mentioned it before that like, when there's like an audience and like people hand over the dice to you and it's like, Oh, I need to bum this dice. And it's like, everybody wants to help you. Yeah. It's like that feeling of like, or when there's like, like some- a weird sense of teamwork, you know, or when like something's on the line where it's like, okay, you figured out the bad guys, AC's 19. It's like, all right, you got to roll an 18 and you're waiting on that one person to save you. And it's like, they get that 18, the whole table goes wild. And it, yeah. Right. I don't know, just... You can't get that online, you know? I just, I feel like you just really can't, you know? I think, um, yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. And I guess the same kind of goes for props and miniatures too, where it's like, I mean, minis are always cool and having that sort of like graphic depiction at the table that's more than just like a flat image and having to drag your little token across the map and measure things that way. Like when you actually see like depth in a 3D environment, which I know there are, you know, formats you can do that in, but like, come on at an actual table where you use your actual markers and you can like doodle on it. And like people can keep their notes on the map too. It's like having that physical like embodiment of it and being able to pull out your old like heirloom miniatures and something you got from a little army guy set. And that piece that actually is a Lego, but it looks really cool on the table like this. (laughs) And that mini, some guy got off hero forge and that one, somebody's had since 1979 that they found at like a rinky dink store. Right. I'm like, miniatures have almost like a, a legacy almost like a uh, a pedigree that comes with them of like oh well i'm the fighter miniature from 1979 i served in this campaign as this character this campaign is that character and this campaign i'm playing this one right i'm like minis are in the same vein like dice where it's like super unnecessary when you think about like the details of them but having the right minis like it almost informs emotionally what you're going through. Like you feel like a sense of kindred spirit to this little plastic man with a sword and a shield where you're like, that is my character right there. Like this tiny one inch tall little fuckhead like is, is the embodiment of the king of Daljabar. He is the fourth son in his name. You know what I mean? Like it's a little piece of plastic, but still you f- he's so much grander than that. It's the physical embodiment of it, you know? So I don't know. Does anybody feel a strong sense of allegiance to their little plastic people? Or I don't know. Yeah, it's like when you get like your I watched a funny thing, a funny video where someone was like, you you have your unassigned assigned seat in like college. Like you have your assigned unassigned mini. And then if someone else uses it for another for like a character because they want to change it up, you're just like what? your ex. It's my character's identity. What happened here? You just changed their race. Yeah, it's like when I first got into it and I didn't have a mini yet, but Dan comes to the table with the whole box of or two full of minis and he's like, pick one. And it's like, I picked that same one for the next like year of playing that campaign. And it's like, that's my guy. I don't know. You mentioned like the feeling when like somebody else is getting the table prepped, somebody's getting out the dice, somebody's getting the food ready, somebody's taking out all the miniatures and the books. And then when they like pull out the miniatures and they hand them out to the people, I know that doesn't seem that important, but like think about what stage you're at in a game where people know which plastic guy belongs to you that you've just decided arbitrarily matches the character you've made in your imagination. And somebody just knows like, oh, well, here's Doric Springroot. Here's this character. Here's Anton. Here's Klika, right? Like they just hand out these people and it's like 
that is your assigned seat. That's your guy. Like that's that's your dude. And it's like, I don't know. Again, there's almost like an emotional resonance with that that I don't think you can get from like a token on on a computer. You might feel a sense of like nostalgia looking at it and being like, oh yeah, I remember when I downloaded this off the internet and then I played with this character on this. But like the plastic miniature, he can sit on your dash in your car. He could sit on your desk right there. And I'm like, he comes with you everywhere. You know, it's like a hope stone or whatever you call them. But yeah. And and if we're talking about props, I feel like handouts uh deserve to get a little bit of a shout out uh because you back when i was running call of cthulhu in person handouts are absolutely wonderful especially for that game like you know it's one thing you know to tell somebody like oh yes you find this ancient you know brittle newspaper article and it's a little bit singed at the edges because uh, it was in a fire at the library. And it's another thing to hand them the one that you made last night and make them read it uh, and comprehend the information. Especially if they get to keep it. You know, I, again, I, I hate the sense of like ownership coming up so much in this, but like, you know, when you give them the scroll from the wizard who needs your help and they get to keep it in their notes and then later on they can literally read it and reference it in front of like the dungeon master or whomever. I'm like having that sort of like physical ownership, not only aids in role-playing, but again, it just breeds the sense of like a living intimacy at the table where like, this isn't just make-believe. Like I have the scroll of earth galar, you know, like I have. And then it's a keepsake after, right? Like I have a somewhere scroll that somebody gave me. It's tied up with a little piece of pipe cleaner. And it was from when I was playing uh, my devil worshiper character in 5e. Uh, and he made a deal with his god um, to, you know, undo some horrible status condition that had been inflicted on the party. Uh, that campaign has been over for over a year now. And the characters that were involved uh, in that scroll, half of them didn't even stick around. Uh, but it was such an interesting little keepsake uh, to have. And it be, like the scroll itself became almost like a plot point. And I remember the story now because, of, because I still have the thing lying around somewhere. We talk about nostalgia and something like this too because i think like as far as games go i think like the big thing about D that's always funny to me is when people think about like wow you played D- back when it wasn't cool to play D and it was like you actually got ostracized for doing it people would look at you and be like you're such a nerd you play D and but then like it's me every friday night with six other people hanging around a table drinking beer like i'm actually more social than you might think you know but i think with like such intense social situations such as like a table and that table experience like it's just natural that like everything almost gets like radioactive with nostalgia like everything at that table the maps the handouts the miniatures the dice like they drip with the memories of that situation because it's so like thought intensive and so emotionally driven you know so i don't know i like i you know again i had to reorganize when i moved out all my nerd stuff which i have so fucking much but i found all my old handouts and notes and stuff and i actually ran a module for like a 10 year old and a 14 year old at work and i was able to pull out an old piece of paper that i had made when i was like 16 years old and i was first like getting really into it and i got to use it again i'm like i look back on it now and it's really stupid but like I don't know. They don't know the difference. And if anything, it's more appropriate that they're playing with 16 year old me's writing anyway, you know? And that's the nice thing is like the physical prop, like, I don't know, unless it's broken and you lose it, you know, it really doesn't die, you know, like it's just a piece of paper, man. But yeah. Um, I, I so see I guess the next... of a... 
prompt, but something I'd say it's not much of a prompt, but something I would do. Uh, unfortunately, I don't do it now. I lost the muse altogether. But like right. just doodling other people's characters uh, and stuff, mm-hmm. and like my doodle. Uh, that was always like really big. Really trying right. to like draw a scene, you know, it's really silly. Uh, some way of just recording that memory in like a visual sense. I think people appreciated that a lot too. Yeah. I mean, again, I still have all that stuff back from when we were playing in college. Like I have all of your doodles. Oh, I still have the one from the Zentralor campaign where you drew all the characters up on like that full spread. Like, I still have it. I can see it right now. It's not up. It's it's hidden behind a liquor cabinet. But the point is, is like I can see the corner of it, and that's what matters. But like, yeah, it, it it captures something, you know. Yeah. It's like uh, I think about how I do like one second every day, like app where I take one second of video every day, and it compiles it. And I think about how much like it helps me remember just like the year as a whole, and how I can be like optimistic about everything. But like, it's one thing when you mention like, oh, do you remember this character, Doric Springroot or whatever? But then when you pull out like the doodle of that character, like it it takes you back to like that exact day, that exact moment. You remember what you had for dinner, what was funny, you know what I mean? And it's like, it's just, I know I keep referencing Doric, but I'm gonna do it because it's a name that people don't know, but we know, or at least some of us yeah, know. It's one of my greatest characters. <laughs> yeah, he sided with the green dragon for a hot minute because it seemed reasonable enough. But you know what? Just peace and friends, you know? <laughs> They give us smiley rocks to everyone. But the, uh, but yeah, so I don't know. Uh, the next thing I've got on here is the sense of a collective environment, which I think really actually segues pretty well from what I just said. But like, you know, and I brought this up earlier just to make sure I wasn't like a loon for mentioning it. But like we had mentioned how, you know, being in different states and being in different climates and being in different places in the world, it's hard for any two people during the same game to like, be feeling the same temperature or the same like outdoors experience or like same like external ecological like layer to you're playing the game in person you know but when you're all at the table together and it's a hot summer night and it's that like feeling where like the windows are all open you can hear the bugs outside going or you can hear the cars outside or whatever and you got the fans all blowing and you all smell whoever had chicken wings that night like something about like experiencing the full environment it like everybody having to peel back those layers of like what's around you, I think really enforces the idea that like you're all at that same table and experiencing it. And those same stimuli will then bring back those memories that much more. Whenever anybody smells chicken wings now, you all remember Doric Springroot and how he agreed with a green dragon that the humans were the bad people. But um, that aside, I don't know. Do you guys feel like there's any particular like, I don't know, time of day, time of year, temperature, climate, weather system, anything that like super makes you feel nostalgic or makes you feel like gaming or something. I mean, I think everybody knows which one makes me feel like playing a certain type of gameplay, but we're not going to talk about summertime old school. Oh, and yeah, how when the summer hits and old school just takes over Dan's soul. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but I don't know. after like summertime, I always think of that one particular day uh, Dan and Ronnie are probably going to remember it where, you know, we were all still in school together and we were waiting to find out whether or not we were going to have an official snow day uh, so that we could so that we could play all day that day. And there was oh, already like three feet of snow on the ground. Uh, so we were just waiting for everybody to wake up and gather together. 
Yeah. Was that the same day Ronnie ran upstairs and was screaming about a snow day? It, 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 no, I might have, I, it might have been. It might not have been. The, those could I have been two different. I think I freaked out because I was so convinced we were not going to have a snow day. So convinced. I, I put myself in so much denial. I woke up ready to go to class. I didn't really get snow day and I was pissed off. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> I, I convinced myself so we, hard to not get my hopes up. Didn't we start playing in winter too? Like, so yeah, it, what, yeah. What, wasn't the first session we ever played the day that it was a blizzard and we got shamrock shakes? Yeah, and then the frill machine was down, so we had to eat the weird frozen mango frills because they weren't mixed. It was just a mango popsicle in a cup. Yeah, yeah I remember that. Yeah. Too. But that's what I'm saying. I'm like, it just, it takes you back. And I'm like, and there's something about sharing that with another person, even if they just remember having watched you do it or like somebody at the table saw you do that thing that was embarrassing. Like it's something about like, I don't know, just in person having all these pieces together. Um, Yeah. But um, I don't know. Did anybody else have any other like triggering things that just kind of really like send you into gaming mode or remind you of it? You know what I mean? Strawberry Sour Patch Kids. Not to bring it back to snacks, but the first time I tried them, I, Dan brought them to a game, and I was like, these are really freaking good. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. If I remember correctly, I couldn't remember this until you just mentioned or me bringing maybe them. Maybe I brought Did them. Did you eat the whole fucking bag? <laughs> I, th- I think the next time I brought them, and I did, yes. Yeah, I Jared just... brought snacks, but just for him. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't blame I remember... you. You want to bring snacks that you enjoy, I definitely, like, would be super selfish about what food I got. From I, it wasn't the watermelon ones. It was the strawberry ones. The strawberry ones, because the watermelon ones I have all the time. Like that's that's whatever. That's that's always around, and those are great. Yes, but the strawberry was like new and different, and I had never tried them, and I was like, this is incredible. But now, like, anytime yes. I have them, I'm just like, man, we should play. Right. <laughs> right, and that's that's what I'm saying. Is I'm like, and at the end of the day. I think that in most cases with a gaming group, I mean, like that feeling you have when you think about the strawberry sour patch kids, I know that that's probably more towards how you feel about it, but there's gotta be things that people have in common too, where it's like, oh man, whatever it's, I agree with Anthony snow days. I like the first thing comes to mind, you know, when I think about gaming in the winter is I'm like those days where it'd just be, we'd all be like, oh, did we get a snow day here in Western mass at our snowy little school in the mountains? And we did. And it's like, oh shit. And we immediately start planning like an eight hour game session for the day or whatever. And everybody had time for homework or whatever, but we all knew we wanted to play. So it was like, you know, that sense of like, everybody like looks at each other when it's a snow day. We're like, you know what that means, right? And I swear that's a thing, you know? Ryan, Ryan, do you have anything that, uh, particularly tickles the gaming bone i mean it's it's always just going to be like the early spring well the the when spring has gotten to that point where you start opening up the windows for the first time in the year and get like that fresh air into a house for the first first time and like the kind of like cooler nights but it's still warm enough in a home that it's not so bad because like that's when a lot of my games have started and it's also just one of my favorite times of the year to begin with. But like, yeah, just like getting that fresh air that's a bit cool, but like damp with the outdoors of spring in New England is like perfect gaming for me. 
that's how I feel about old school with the summer is it's like kickback games. Like I don't treat old school, like long winded campaigns with tons of meaning and over a hundred episodes of Beckett to the Herald of Steel. Like I, I look at it like, like, you know what I mean? Like pickup games where it's like, Oh, I'm playing a character named, I don't know, gut boy. Wasn't that the name of the dwarf in the player's handbook? Yeah. Like gut boy, the dwarf. Like I don't care if he lives or dies, but I'm still rooting for him. And for me, like summer pickups where it's like a hot summer night, nobody really cares. You're having a couple beers, smoking cigars after the game, whatever, hanging out at your friend's house. The kids are there like it just it's for me. I'm like the old school gaming mentality is just such a relaxing, like summer barbecue kickback kind of thing. And I'm like much in the same way when the temperature changes, like the first thing I think of is like just taking a deep exhale after everybody had a long work week and you just kick back with your friends, you know, and I'm like. I think that really kind of gets to the crux of all this and that it's, you know, you know, we mentioned it before that with our actual play campaign and the fact that we have a recorded podcast, it's like, it's a lot more play and not a lot of like play time. You know what I mean? Like we're here to record an episode and play the game and record it. So it's, you know, when you get to play a game in person, most times you're not recording it. And for that reason, like, it's just so laid back, you know, and it just feels like we're all just having fun, you know? Uh, which I guess brings us to the last conversation to have about this. And that's ironically about conversations at the table and the whole concept of table talk. I know we talked pretty much at length about it earlier before the episode started, but you know, did anybody want to kind of jump off on this point and talk about the difference between table talk on the internet and table talk in person or whatever the value of it, anything? I mean, for me personally, like one of the things I miss about being at a table is like table talk just in general where you know sort of someone will make a goofy reference and everyone will pile on or someone will be like oh this reminds me of something that happened in my life recently and talk about that but like it's just like the little side conversations that you don't get to have when you're like online in like a discord or zoom call because like there's no such thing as a side conversation like i i couldn't just like while dan was giving like a monologue or having an in-depth conversation with someone else like talk to you know anthony about something else at the time like oh well do you still have this item in your inventory and hey what do you think we should do after this and stuff like that it's like it, it just kind of like everything has to be one person speaking at a time and like you have to give that the full attention because there's no other way to do it and i feel like something sort of does get lost there and it's it it just i do miss that quite a bit it feels less organic less true to form of like what hanging out with people feels like because when you hang out with your friends it's not like i mean i guess when you're at like a campfire or whatever and you have like the 3 a.m talks like it is more like one person talks and everybody listens and then somebody else piles on. It's not like people having a lot of side conversations, but for the most part, I mean, if you're hanging out with five people, it is kind of weird to think one person talks, everybody sits quietly watching intently waiting for their turn and then joins in trying not to overwhelm the mic. Got to pass the talking stick. In that regard (laughs) though, there is a little bit of a difference though, because when you're in person and listening to somebody else speak, you're not just, you know, sitting there listening passively and waiting for your turn. You're picking up cues, uh, right, from everybody else around the table, you know, seeing how 
they're reacting, whether or not, you know, it's, you know, time for you to get involved or somebody else is going to jump in. And I think that's one of the biggest weaknesses of the game, the online games that I'm in that are more for fun, but also still more focused is there'll be times when the call will just go quiet for like a solid minute because nobody is sure whose turn it is uh, to pick it up. And that particular game, we don't even use video. We do it over audio exclusively. Um, so you can't see, you know, if somebody is, you know, gathering their thoughts and ready to speak and, oh, yes, this is my character. My character is going to pick up this thread. And because everybody is in that same space of just waiting to see whose little avatar is going to light up as they start to speak, um, it, it, it just, you know, leads to, you know, some moments that makes no definitely yeah and and not to again steer the conversation my way for a second here but just all my stuff now that i finished the master's program in psychology like i have so much focus on nonverbal cues and like human beings are so fucking good at picking up information just by body language which just feels like a duh but like people don't get how much information we get just from watching people sit there and like what their facial expressions their body language like like just eyebrows alone it's freaky so i'm like when you're playing a game featuring role playing and acting and like watching people's enjoyment or not enjoyment confusion like whatever like you can read that on the people at the table and it makes for so much more of like a legible experience in other people you know like i can tell when ronnie was really impacted by the king's imploring speech for the aid of the heroes of dondabar you know what i mean like i could see i got to ronnie a little bit and that informs how i as the dungeon master go forward role-playing with her. Whereas, on, again, online with just your voices. I mean, yeah, I, I have enough information based on your response, but, like, when I can see people genuinely thought I was funny or, like, the mood is scary or dark or serious, like, you can riff off that, you know? Like, you, it helps build, like, uh, like momentum, like emotional momentum at the table, you know? So it's definitely a situation that having those extra cues and channels to read through, oh, my God, does it inform a game, you know? But yeah, uh, speaking of uh, cues and how uh, Anthony kind of mentioned the moments, the silence where you weren't sure who was going to pick up, but it's like in person, it's like you're talking to like the king or something. Everybody in the party knows who has the best charisma and should be talking. And if all the players are looking at you, you're just like, yep, that's me. Time to go. <laughs> but it's like they just know that like it, it's my time to shut like it. I have to step up and talk. Like, true. I mean, again, not to bring it back to cues, but like eye contact doesn't exist on the internet because like I'm looking at a camera lens or I'm looking at my monitor, my picture on my monitor, your picture on your monitor, but there's no eye contact at all. Like how freaky is that to even think about in the first place? Whereas at the table, you can fucking look at anybody and they can look right back at you. I mean, unless the DM screen is tall enough, but you know, the point <laughs> is, is it's like, well, like Darren said, like, you know, when the king gives the speech of like, you would dare talk to me in such a way. And everybody looks to the bard like, you know, you're the charisma character. We are not going <laughs> to fight this guy. Everybody looks at you. You can see the team look at you. But otherwise, on the Internet, everybody's just staring forward. And you're like, man, somebody should tell this king to fuck off. Right. Like, I mean, everyone could be looking at the bard, but the bard doesn't know. <laughs> <laughs> 
right? He's like picking his nose. Yeah, just staring intently at the little Discord icon. Like, come on. Like, okay, the barbarian started talking. Fuck. <laughs> oh, and yeah, I think but, that yeah. there's an aspect of role playing uh, too that's kind of harder to convey online. Because you know, I know, I know that I do a voice for Norhill, but I'm definitely not a voice actor, and. For a lot of characters uh, that I do, the way that I get in characters, I change the way that I, you know, uh, move my body and carry myself, because uh, I think that helps differentiate, uh, you know, Anthony talking from, you know, Norhill or the character talking, and you just can't do that online, and no. yeah, that that causes its own number of awkward moments where sometimes it's hard to tell if somebody who's not necessarily like a skilled voice actor is speaking in character or not. Yeah. I mean, you could, I mean, obviously everybody here is, you know, pretty aware of voice actors and how that all works. But like, you know, a lot of people, a lot of actors say voice actors work way harder because they have to convey so much just through their voice. So it's like, you know, when I'm sitting at the table and I'm allowed to make like a very displeasing look or a menacing look and I do a dragon voice. Again, like Anthony said, I'm not a voice actor. I don't sound like a dragon. But if I can make a menacing look and like I put my arms up on the table and I like loom over my DM screen, I look like a jackass. But you guys get the picture I'm trying to grant you. And you can use your mind's eye to like put these details together to make a cohesive charitable approach to me looking like a lizard, right? But yeah so i don't know ronnie did you have any thoughts on this one you actually mentioned the table talk thing too we talked yeah, about it obviously I, yeah i think the biggest thing i was thinking it just reminded me of um i don't know i do a lot of virtual meetings at work uh so it gets into a lot of like paying attention being like in the room with each other feeling the space getting the chance to actually get the time to talk to each other it's so difficult to make time to connect and care and get that human level of just like we're here we're physically near each other you can't have that online it's, there's just that such drive for business that the ability to see each other just takes that away in a good way still achieve business but there's something you could say about like partnership that's stronger in person the presence presence is extremely powerful and that is taken away online. Right. I mean, because it's a practical thing. You know what I mean? It's like talking through the tin cans with the freaking string. Like, I mean, it's not clear, but it's, it's communication, you know? So it's like this. I don't want to say this is the best we've got, but like, you know, I don't, I don't want to say like it's like vegan meats, but it's like they're trying to recreate what exists organically through the best means that they can. And everybody commends the effort. And people who like vegan meats, like, I mean, hell, man, like yeah, dude, go get it. Like, and you know, all kudos to anybody trying to make the next best thing, quote unquote. But it's like, now I'm kind of worried that the next best thing is actually the name of a brand and I'm going to get in trouble for <laughs> like specifically calling them out. Turns out the CEO is like listening, like he knows, but um, like, yeah, that's right. Next best thing. Fuck you. Um, and and but, it's not you know, already uh, the name of a product we should get off that. Anyway, this is actually also a board meeting for our new product of vegan meats called Next Best Thing. Um, but no, but again, like Ronnie was saying, I mean, it's, you know, we're creating the next best thing. And it's like, it's, it's, we're trying our best, you know, to, to facilitate the nuts and bolts of what comes into a meeting or what comes into a role playing scenario. But like, 
it'll just always be playing catch up. We will always be trying to recreate the meeting room. We will always be trying to recreate a tabletop map with miniatures and dice. But again, no virtual die will ever feel as good as a real one. And, you know, hanging out with your friends online will never feel as good as sharing that space and being able to genuinely see people smile about just being in your presence, you know? And at the end of the day, it's your friends you want to hang out with and it's the friends at the table. And I just, I don't know, you know, not to take a dour note on this, but I genuinely miss hanging out with my friends at the table. And even though it's been nice, you know, being able to facilitate everything online for the podcast and everything, I think every person who plays D&D online knows, damn, I wish I was playing in person, right? But yeah, so I mean, I don't know if anybody's got any send-offs here, anything they want to say before we let this one go, but you know. Well, I'd say just to charge people for that. Sure, society wants everything to be virtual, but that doesn't mean we have to do it. If there's opportunities, even if it takes a little more effort, travel, schedule time, fucking do it. Meet with people. No. Don't <laughs> let it go because you need to save time for something else, like forgetting and taking for granted the opportunity to actually physically meet each other is the worst thing you can do for yourself. Like that that meme where they show you like the last login of that dude that you played with online. You know what I'm talking about? That meme of like being on like Steam or whatever. And it's like the two people in the chat, like, all right, buddy, I'll see you tomorrow. And it's just last login was 23 years ago. You know what I'm talking about? Like, <laughs> and like looking back at that moment, like the last conversation you had. Again, not to take an even more sad note on this, but you never know which game will be the last game you have in person with these people. And it's like, I, like you said, Ronnie, I mean, like, seize the moment, man. Like, no time is quite like the present. And it's like, go play that game. Enjoy the company of others, you know? So, you know, yeah. Anybody else got anything I can make sad? <laughs> Do everything yeah. in your power to stop your friends from getting married and having children. <laughs> the true enemy. Oh, shit. <laughs> What marital commitment yeah uh, i missed on both those points sorry if if you can see if they're trying to apply for jobs out of state sabotage those uh <laughs> just ruin any of their other interpersonal relationships and create dependency it's just important it's important to yeah, like gaslight and 40 chess your friends into being always friends with you i don't think we need to try to make that sad this is all fully endorsed by the next best thing, fake meat company, by the way. believe <laughs> in using these tactics, too. Yeah. But, yeah, okay. I mean, I guess that is more of a sad uh, note than what I said. But... Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. It, if you got to play virtually, at least it's better than not playing at all. But in person, right. definitely, definitely has a feel that I miss. So. Well... This is really sad. Jesus I, Christ. I'm like, even I, when we try to be optimistic. Yeah, like, well, I mean, not playing at all really sucks. So, yeah. Yeah. Like, when, when we miss a week or two, and it's just like, I would just want to play. It's like, I don't care how. I, I, just I need, gotta get it. I need my fix. Yep. <laughs> so look at your family and kids. You're just like, the fuck do you even do for me? <laughs> <laughs> I miss my game group. 
But, you know, on that note, I think we're all good to go. So goodbye, everybody. Hey, everyone. I want to thank you all for listening to another episode of the podcast. It really means a lot to me to have everybody listening in. And if you have anything you'd like to say, any comments or anything like that, shoot me a tweet over at ygrognard on Twitter. Or you can even send me an email at younggrognard at gmail.com. I look forward to everything you guys have to say, and it's always a pleasure to engage with anybody listening to the show. And as always, be sure to keep things... Dungeons. Dungeons.